This is my first time I've given my testimony. I'm much more comfortable giving a health talk, but with much encouragement, I've agreed to share with you today what the power of prayer can do on this little lump of clay. Would you bow, bow with me for a quick prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be glorified somehow with this little story of mine and that someone would get encouragement and that you would be here with us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning as an unexpected surprise to my parents, my mother had been told she could have no more children at the age of 40. Yet I joined my brother and sister who were eight and five years older than me. I still remember at the age of four seeing a little light glowing on the taxi when the, my father left our home. He had been having severe pain running down his left arm again and pain on his left side. With only one car, my mother hurried home with my brother who was at a piano lesson. Family members gathered in a circle, offered prayer in behalf of my father that he would be healed. Immediately after the prayer was finished, the phone rang with the message. My father had died of a massive heart attack. My brother said, I don't believe in God, and left the room. Things changed in our home. There was a deep sadness. My 13-year-old brother could be seen studying for school with water pooling on his paper from all his silent tears. My mother seldom smiled for many years unless her best friend from high school called, and I loved hearing her laugh out loud. My nine-year-old sister became what my mother called a bookworm. And me, well, I became very exclusive about what food I would eat. Generally, I would only eat tuna fish, other meats, and sweets. I hated every vegetable, but fried okra. We all had responsibilities to share at home, and times were tight. My Uncle Bill called and asked if he could help us financially, but my mother declined as she was determined to raise us all to be self-sufficient and to learn to make it on her own, and she would give us the example. She somehow convinced her employer to just, quote, give her a chance and he let her go to school to become a tax auditor for the U.S. government, as she did have a gift with numbers. While she was away at school, my Aunt Zadig would come from way out in the country to take care of us. Aunt Zeta's life made a profound influence on my life, and I've always been grateful for her example. She was always singing church hymns as she worked around the house, mending and altering our clothes, cooking in the kitchen, canning plum jelly after she picked plums off our tree, but much more important, I remember she made all of us kneel down and pray at our bedside before putting us to bed. And being, I was very shocked 
that my brother Rudy would actually participate. She would always ask Jesus, please lay her to rest before the tribulation happened. What was the tribulation? It must be terrible for Aunt Zeta to be afraid of it. I would frequently dream about war and strife, which really troubled me. We went to church every Sunday, and I enjoyed Sunday school. I was always wanting to learn about what would happen in the last days on earth and about that tribulation. But the time was usually spent about the football game that weekend because our teacher was a man who loved sports. And after all, we would be raptured before the tribulation. Every Sunday, the pastor would make an altar call to come and give your heart to Jesus. There was always a pull to walk down the aisle, but it would be really scary to go out and walk down the aisle in such a big, large church. One Sunday, when I was in the fourth grade and feeling overwhelmed and tears pouring down my face, I needed to give my life to Jesus. I walked down that long aisle by myself and made public my confession to pledge my life to live for him, feeling so sad to be a sinner in need of forgiveness. There was much discussion by the pastors whether to baptize me or not because I was so young. But finally, someone said it would be wrong to stop the Holy Spirit from leading me to Jesus. Now, being baptized certainly didn't change my eating habits. I was small and thin, but very strong. My Aunt Ruth convinced my mother to take her to the family physician as she felt something had to be done to change my eating habits to something else. We went to the family physician. I was worried and praying the whole time. Oh, Lord, please don't make him make me eat vegetables. He looked at my mother as she was lamenting that I would only eat tuna fish. And he said, looking at her, well, give her all she'll eat. Oh, I was delighted. Time doesn't heal all wounds, but it does find us busy with other things that lift our spirits. Friday nights were always busy as my brother was the drum major of a very large high school band. My sister was a majorette. Then seemingly out of nowhere, out of the blue, a dark cloud came into our home and every home in America because of the Vietnam War. And fear became a reality when a new draft law by President Richard Nixon on December 1, 1969 was a day of conscription. Every male age 19 to 26 had a stake in the Vietnam draft lottery. It was determined the order in which men with birth dates between 1944 and 1950 were called to report for induction. There were 366 blue capsules containing the birthdays that would be chosen, a capsule for each birthday of the year and one for February 29. My brother was 19. We were glued to the TV for hours watching the opening of each capsule and the number assigned to the board. How would our family cope with this? 
was this the beginning of that tribulation? We listened for seemingly hours. There was an undercurrent of feeling that women might be drafted in the next draft because of the push for women's liberation and the equality. So I thought, oh dear, will I be drafted too when I turn 19? But after many prayers, thankfully, his number was 330, and he would surely not be sent to the Vietnam War. Now I'm older, I'm starting high school, and I too want to be involved, just like my siblings. I was on the, as a flag spinner in the band, always busy with weekly ball games, just like my brother and sister. Since I was in high school, my mother sent me to charm school, following my sister's footsteps. Learning to be ladylike was of the utmost importance. And one of the things we learned was that a woman is not considered dressed unless she has on five pieces of jewelry. So I began to accumulate and accessorize. During my first year in public university was a wonderful experience. My roommate was very sweet and I couldn't imagine a better match. But she sat me down one afternoon, looked at me straight in the eye and said, Pat, one of us has got to go. It's either me, you, or the tuna fish. I can't stand the smell of it anymore. So I switched to grilled cheese since I didn't like the food in the cafeteria. Now, being very outgoing and friendly, I made friends very easily. Having an older sister and brother who had preceded me to college, I knew just what I wanted to do and just what to accept. Expect. My mother and sister had counseled me before to never drink or smoke, and I ha had happily taken their advice, although many of my friends drank, they didn't mind if I didn't drink. Now that I was at a university, my sister sat me down and said, now, be very careful when you leave and go to that university. Never leave your drink unattended, because those college kids, They'll put something in your drink when you're not looking because they delight in getting people drunk that don't drink and then laughing at them. I took her advice. I went through something called Rush. It's a week of visiting the different sororities and meeting all the girls. There were interviews and much pomp to see if they wanted to invite me to join them. I also went through a Rush to see if I could be chosen as a fraternity little sister. You know, my brother and sister had been in them. I wanted to be in them. And it's the absolute biggest excitement on a public university campus next to the ball games and finding out if you have a match for your first and second pick, as there is a limited opening. And of course, they only want to choose the very best asset to their membership. And if you don't get an invitation, the first rush of the school year, you'll lose out on all the special parties for the rest of the year. Much to my surprise, I was selected to join my first pick in both the sorority and as a fraternity little sister. And shortly thereafter, my sorority voted me to be the efficiency vice president for the coming year, which was an honor very few freshmen ever received, and I was beyond shocked. Life could not be better. 
Being a flag spinner at the ball games and invited to all the best parties, life was sweet. On a Saturday night, I went on a double date to a party, and as usual, everybody but me was drinking. But this time, I began to notice how people would change when they get drunk. Loud, inappropriate, obnoxious. It didn't seem like fun. And on the way home, well, I'm sitting in the back seat and I'm thinking, you know, everybody's been drinking but me and I'm not the one driving. I prayed, Lord, please get me home safely. I don't think this is fun anymore. I started getting tired of going to movies every Friday and Saturday night and then out to eat. There would always be a conversation about the game or the movie. It seemed like there should be more to talk about. One night, I went to a movie, and it was things that I did not want to watch. I got up and walked out. My date came to the lobby and asked, well, what's wrong? I'm saying, I'm not going to watch that, and I'm not going back in. Something had changed in my thinking. I was not enjoying the ball games the movies, the parties, and being around drinking anymore. My first summer home from college found me working a summer job again at Opryland. And then there were more employee parties after work. I noticed one evening on TV there was an advertisement to come to a program in downtown Nashville to see from the Bible only how prophecy is being fulfilled and what God says will come in the last days. It was going to last for weeks. I had always wanted to know about the future. Now's my opportunity. I asked my boyfriend if he would take me, and he said, I'll go under one condition, and that is if I promise not to tell his friends or anyone where he was taking me. My first night at the program was more than what I'd hoped for. I was learning things just from the Bible and things I'd always wanted to know, and I loved the meetings. But I wasn't very successful in getting my boyfriend to come back to the meetings. No problem. I asked my mother to go with me, and we went to as many meetings as possible. Soon, a Bible worker showed up to give us more information at our home. I loved reading Amazing Facts booklets by Joe Cruz. My favorite was the one on the state of the dead and what heaven is like. After the Bible meetings were over, the speaker showed up at our home and a couple of other pastors. They asked questions to me and my mother as we were both interested in becoming members in the speaker's church. While attending the prophecy meetings, it was noticeable that the greeters didn't wear jewelry and they were not properly accessorized. <laughs> I knew in my heart that jewelry, it didn't have anything to do with my love for Jesus or my relation to him. Would Kenneth Cox tell me I had to take off my jewelry? I stood there with my arms folded across my stomach leaned against the wall in a defensive position, waiting to see what he would say about my jewelry. 
And after many questions and a prayer, Kenneth Cox and the pastor started walking toward the door to leave. I said, stop, wait, what about my jewelry? Kenneth Cox turned around and smiled and said, well, I'm not worried about your jewelry. God will take care of that and walked out the door. I was shocked. What? What would God do to me? How's he going to take care of it? What did that mean? I wondered. Hmm. And then I forgot about it. My mother and I joined the local church. We had a special meal at our home, and my mother's sister and her husband, Aunt Vesta and Uncle Bill, who were Seventh-day Adventists that lived out of town, joined us. I told them how the Lord had led me to the church and how I couldn't understand how my life had changed. Just when I thought I was just where I wanted to be in life, I became so dissatisfied with everything and how happy I am with my newfound faith. They gave me a Bible, looked in my eyes, and said, We've been praying for you for a long time long time and looking forward to our prayers being answered oh now i understand what happened something in their prayers changed everything i was also surprised to learn that my mother had grown up a seventh day adventist and had left the church when she married my father because he didn't think he could stop smoking cigars in order to join our church. So they joined the Baptist church. That fall, the fall semester started and I was back in school. I found myself practicing with the flag spinners for the coming football game. My boyfriend called me up that evening and he said, hey, I saw you out there practicing with the flag spinners while he was playing football. I said, there's so many flag spinners out there. How did you really know which one was me? And he said, Pat, I could find you a mile away with those big earrings on. You can't be missed. (laughs) I paused and thought to myself, what? I'm known by my earrings? That's not what I wanted to hear. Is that what people think is important to me and how I'm known? Hmm. This must be what Kenneth Cox was talking about. I knew God wanted me to be known a different way, so I prayed about it. I thought about it. Okay, Lord. I think I'm beginning to understand a little. I took off my jewelry, my earrings, gave them away, and never looked back. I also found myself having some important decisions to make. I left the university in June a Baptist, and I returned a Seventh-day Adventist. Everything I was involved in happened on Friday night through Saturday night. I tried continuing with my flag spinner responsibility on Sabbath, and being the efficiency vice president for the sorority on Sabbath, but that compromised my beliefs, and now I'm at a crossroad. My friends could handle my not drinking, but now this new religion, oh, it's too much for them. 
I was just too weird in my beliefs. No one understood what I was talking about when my new found faith and my newfound church. And I wouldn't go out to eat on Friday if it was, unless it was before sundown on Friday night. And I wouldn't go out to eat on Saturday night unless it was after sundown on Saturday night. Of course, times change as the length of the day changes. And oh my, it's getting very complicated trying to explain myself. I'm trying to serve two masters and miserable. I wanted to honor my commitment to Jesus, but what's the cost? Well, I'll have to resign from everything that's been very important to me. I had made commitments to things before I left school, and now they're depending on me. I would be isolated from everyone if I quit. I tried continuing, but my heart was breaking. I finally quit everything I was involved in. I tried going to the University Campus of Faith group, but they couldn't understand my Seventh-day Adventist beliefs either and thought I was strange. And they weren't very friendly to me. I tried going to a little Seventh-day Adventist church near the university, but no one was there that was my age and a Seventh-day Adventist, and I felt isolated and couldn't find a place where I'd just fit in. Then the very most handsome, most eligible upperclassman at the university called me for a date. How could I go through this long explanation about when I can and can't go out on Friday night and Saturday night? And, oh yeah, he's a member of the fraternity, which means he drinks. Then the thought came to me, this is a temptation. Will you give up the truth for this promising, handsome young man? No, truth is more important. I told him I wasn't interested, and that closed the door. So the next weekend, I went home and to the church I had joined. My mother was there, and I thought it will be a beautiful, peaceful, happy Sabbath to my soul in this very special dear church. I made sure to wear my most conservative dress, I would honor God and seek his blessing on this special Sabbath day. I walked into the vestibule, received my bulletin, and while waiting to go into the sanctuary because prayer was being spoken, I felt a soft tapping on my shoulder. I turned and a little old white-haired lady leaned over to my ear and said quietly, we don't wear sleeveless dresses to church. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. And she walked into the sanctuary. I was taken off guard. I'm thinking. I wore the nicest thing I could to church, and this is not enough. I should just go home right now and not come back. That's it. I continued standing there thinking... And then the thought came to me, you've given up everything, what are you going back to? Do you want to go back to that life you just closed? I pondered a few more moments. Well, 
Well, I didn't know it was wrong to wear a sleepless dress to church, and I don't really want to leave. I'll stay, and I'll wear a sweater, even in the summertime, if I have on a sleeveless dress. I love this truth, and I don't want to leave. I continued coming home each weekend and wearing my sweaters to church. I sat in the back alone as my mother was busy with the treasurer business. So I'm sitting in the back by myself, and another little old lady sits down and scoots over to me. Oh, dear. I thought, what have I done now, and what is she going to tell me? She smiled sweetly and asked my name and wanted to know about me. Wow, sweet lady. I told her I was at a public university and wanted to go to Loma Linda and to get into the dietetics program there and meet others my age that are Seventh-day Adventists. But that's a long way from Tennessee, and I don't know where to start. She said, my daughter's graduating from the dietetics program this June, and we're flying out for her graduation. We would love for you to come along with us. My daughter can show you around the campus. You could get an interview with the dean and start class in August. It sounded too good to be true, but with God, all things are possible. I flew out with this kind family for their daughter's graduation to Loma Linda University. Got an interview with the dean of the School of Dietetics, Dr. Kathleen Zober. What a beautiful school and lovely people. Dr. Zober said that the class for the fall had already been chosen and they only accepted straight A students. Maybe I could try somewhere else. She prayed with me and I left California. I thought, God must have another plan for my life, but I knew I wanted to be in a Seventh-day Adventist school, and I didn't know what to do. I was still at a public university, so I kept reading my Bible and praying that God's will would be done in my life. Weeks later, my mother called me at school. She said she had called Dr. Zober and explained that I had recently come into the Seventh-day Adventist church through a Kenneth Cox crusade and how I had given up so many things and lost most of my friends in the process of keeping Sabbath. She told her how much I wanted to go to a Seventh-day Adventist school and honor God with my life, asking Dr. Zober to please pray about my situation and see if there was any way I could enter the dietetics program there. Dr. Zober said, let's pray about it now, and I will continue to pray and let you know something soon. She called my mother back the next week. And she said, I feel impressed to allow her into the program, but she will have to prove herself to me, as the program is very hard. If she will retake two classes at school this summer and make a solid A, I will accept her into the dietetics program in August. What? This was beyond anything I could have imagined. I retook the classes in summer school and with God's help, made solid A's. I was California bound. <laughs> now my friends have really thought I'd lost it. 
They couldn't understand why anyone would go all the way to California to go to school. That fall, arriving at Loma Linda was the absolute best experience ever. I couldn't stop smiling. God had been so good to me and more than I deserved. I loved all my classes and all the girls in my class and the girls in the dorm. I learned in class that eating meat was very unhealthy and the benefits of eating fruits and vegetables. So I called home to my mom and said, guess what, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and my mother said, well, what in the world are you eating? You've never eaten any vegetables. <laughs> so I explained that after class, I would follow my classmates to the hospital for lunch. And since I didn't know what to eat or order, I would be the last one in line. And I would just get what the girl in front of me ordered. When they sat down to eat, the girls would always pray to God to bless the food, and I would silently pray that I could eat the food. <laughs> it actually tasted great, and I loved that vegetarian food. The first Vespers I ever attended was the most amazing thing. It was a wonderful experience. No one was drinking, and we ate more fruits and vegetables. I couldn't believe how everyone loved Jesus and actually sang a multitude of songs about Jesus. It was the most wonderful experience being with these young people who loved Jesus and were happy to live for him. I enjoyed my time at Loma Linda and graduated with my bachelor's in dietetics. This little lump of clay chose the road less traveled, and for me, it's made all the difference. The prayers of my Adventist, Aunt Vesta, and Uncle Bill changed my life and changed my life circumstances. I hope and pray that my testimony will encourage you to never give up on praying for your loved ones. And here is a special quote from volume five of the testimonies, page 322 and 323. The mother of Augustine prayed for her son's conversion. She saw no evidence that the Spirit of God was impressing his heart, but she was not discouraged. She laid her finger on the text, presenting before God his own words and pleaded as only a mother can. Her deep humiliation, her earnest importunities, her unwavering faith prevailed and the Lord gave her the desire of her heart. Today, he is just as ready to listen to the petitions of his people. That's us. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. And if Christian parents seek him earnestly, he will fill their mouths with arguments for his namesake and will work mightily in their behalf and the conversion of their children. Amen.